Welcome everyone to another Blaney's podcast. This one again is done remotely. Uh, I'm at home. My partner Dennis Tobin is at home, and my other partner Varjan Arman. We're all at home, and we're all remotely doing this podcast for you. And I think this is the nature of the environment that we live in now in Ontario. There have been uh, 2,262 cases of COVID diagnosed as of uh, April the uh, the third, and there has been a total of uh, 19 cases. I'm sorry, 67 cases. I wish it was 19. Uh, 67 cases of people who have died as a result of COVID. The instructions from all the public health authorities is to stay at home, stay away from other people in terms of keeping physical distancing. And what that means for a person who owns a store in a mall, it means that they have now been forced to close down and in a situation where they're getting little or no revenue. And with that uh, context in mind, I want to introduce you to my partner, Dennis Tobin. Hello, Dennis. How are you? Good. I'm fine, Lou. Dennis, uh, how are you dealing with this uh, physical isolation or social isolation, whatever you wish? How are things going? Oh, things are going great. I'm an optimist. It's a, a big change, just like it's a big change for all the businesses out there. But I think everybody's cooperating and getting along. So, Dennis, can you tell me the kind of work that you do uh, as a lawyer at Blaney McMurtry? Yeah, I spend a lot of time doing commercial leasing work. That's office leasing, a lot of retail work. Uh, I tend to act for a lot of tenants, both uh, national, international, and do some industrial and commercial leasing as well. So Dennis, I know, um, and I don't think we have the imagination to be stretched that things have been on the downturn for many tenants, but let's talk about the environment, the leasing environment, maybe the retail environment maybe a month before the actual COVID crisis hit. What what was it like and what were you hearing? Yeah, well, you know, we came out of 2019, which, you know, in all intents and purposes, sounded like a good year. Uh, you got a lot of major malls with the sales per square footer up. Uh, we have some of the best malls in North America and Canada. We don't have as high a concentration, you know, in terms of per square footage of retail uh, per capita as the United States. And we have very competitive malls, but which you uh, you also had in the malls, you know, they, they were undergoing some transformation. There were a number of trends that you could see and that were being talked about. Transition to sort of the live, work, play and shop. Uh, so you were seeing condominium developments in shopping centers. You were seeing a move to towards greater food and entertainment, uh, a lot more area was being devoted. Uh, but the question, you know, the, there were questions like, was that transition, was that um, going to replace tenants? Or was that a response to the fact that a number of retail tenants were facing uh, headwinds, um, that they needed to downsize their space, they needed to go multi-channel, they need to be online. Um, so I think there was probably a lot of back and forth with the trends that you were seeing. They were complementary, but they were also necessary because there were a lot of changes going on. And despite the fact that you see some of the great malls with great square footage or, or great sales per square footage, uh, a number of tenants weren't realizing the benefits of those. Uh, anecdotally, I think the... Uh, at some of the conferences, landlords were concerned about more tenants, and a number of tenants were concerned about how high the 
operating costs and taxes were and how the shift in their business was really confounding them in a sense that there were changes happening that had yet to be explained. I presume a lot of it, and we'll talk about this later, a lot of the uh, the change could have been uh, encouraged or occurred as a result of the uh, very, very strong competition from online sales. But uh, let's talk about online sales uh, a little later on, because I think uh, that, that merges nicely with uh, what we're going to talk about now as to what tenants are asking you now once the uh, government of Ontario uh, only about 10 days ago, ordered all retail stores who are not uh, dealing with essential products or essential services to shut down. What is What has that meant for your tenant clients and what, what are they asking you? Well, it's interesting. What, what they're asking me is has changed. We, we're operating against the timeline where we're getting announcements like the ones that you mentioned uh, almost every day or every couple of days. So a couple of weeks ago, I was getting a lot of calls saying, what does the lease say about this very circumstance? They're talking about, should I close? Shouldn't I close? What does my lease say? Uh, Do I have to pay rent? Then people started to look at it and say, well, I've heard a lot about uh, a number of issues in the leases, um, force majeure. Uh, frustration, impossibility of performance. Um, how about my insurance clause? Does the landlord carry insurance for this? A lot of those questions are up in the air, but what I'm getting questions on now is is more, well, forget about all that for right now. The decisions that have been taken that have resulted in the malls being closed means that what we're talking about now is how are we going to deal with the period between now and when the malls reopen? And while we may want to reserve our rights, how is it we come to terms with those landlords and tenants, uh, and how do we cooperate? And what I'm now getting are questions about how do we cooperate and maintain the status quo until we figure this out? So, I mean, you've mentioned a lot of legal terminology, and I understand that that's no longer at the forefront, but for our listeners who don't have a... uh a good understanding of what you've said. Maybe you can just give us a quick outline of what you mean by force majeure, frustration, and the impact that those legal terms have, uh, abatement of rent and all those other things. What does force majeure mean and how does that come to play with a lease? Yeah, force majeure is the act of God clause. Most people will know that. So if there's an act of God, a storm, an earthquake, the provision generally will say, If one of these things happens, then the time to do something is postponed or delayed. The interesting thing about force majeure is it's a contractual right. So most leases have it, but some leases don't. The ones that have it, most of them don't mention Mm -hmm. COVID-19. And despite the SARS experience in 2004, most don't mention uh, pandemics or contagion. So COVID-19 doesn't fit nicely into a force majeure, I take it. No, and and even if it did, the challenge with these legal concepts is, does, the, does it then match with the remedy that you want? Mm-hmm. Because most people came with the concept of, most tenants started from the proposition, I can't carry on business. My, my sales have gone from 100 to zero. Uh, I don't want to pay rent. I don't think I should have to pay rent. This is an act of God. I shouldn't pay rent. But um, the force majeure clauses don't provide that you don't pay rent. In fact, they provide that you do pay rent in most cases. And hmm. so, so there's a disconnect there. 
to look to rely on a clause that doesn't give you the remedy that you want. Similarly, the concept of frustration. Frustration is a concept where uh, we entered into a contract and the circumstances have changed and it's just not possible for us to go forward with this contract. The problem there is, is that, again, is, is generally the remedy for frustration is uh, the contract's over. What most people are talking about now is, well, I don't want it to be over. I just want to deal with the period between now and when the mall reopens. And so that's a tough one to rely on. What I was going to ask you, Dennis, is that it seems to me that these very narrow legal definitions and, and legal concepts really aren't what is driving the discussions between landlords and tenants, but rather it's the business issues and the viability issues that seem to be foremost in the minds of those people dealing with this. Yeah, I think we it, it's followed a natural progression from what does my lease say? What are my legal rights? How am I going to negotiate my best position? I think that there was an element of calculation in the early uh, in the early considerations, uh, in the early approach, but that has dramatically flipped in a very short period of time. It's gone from calculation to cooperation. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't matter what the lease says. How are we going to get through this together and uh, come out of this in one piece? Can you tell me, I mean, I'm sure you're dealing with a lot of landlords. What are the landlords' position on this? What are they looking to accomplish during this period of time? For landlords, it's all about the value of their properties. And a lot of the value of the property is tied up in the strength of their leases and the cash flow, the payment of rent that comes out of those leases. So I imagine with what they're looking at and the ones I have talked to is um, they understand that things are on hold, but what they're trying to do, preserve is the long-term value of those centers and of the individual leases. So for them, it's important to keep the tenant there uh, for as long as they can, because there's always, there will always be the potential that tenant will come back strong and continue to pay rent. That's exactly right. Uh, The basic starting point for everybody in these negotiations is, can we get back to where we were? Granted, there were a number of trends happening. There was a number of circumstances. There were some complaints. There were some issues. But at the end of the day, I think people would be happy to get back to that. And the picture is the mall opens and the tenants are still there. Um, Obviously, I think that's very optimistic that it'll be exactly the same. Uh, it's going to be different, but that I think is what people are trying to preserve. So tenants are trying to preserve their business to get back to selling products and services, and landlords are trying to preserve the value of their centers and their tenant base. What are some of the uh, sources of revenues now that uh, some of your tenants have? Are are some of them or all of them Uh, having online services available? Are they developing online? It's uh, all over the map um, in terms of uh, some are, uh, some are not, right up to uh, some, you know, are huge uh, in that area. I think that the, uh, the interesting thing before was the extent to which everybody was studying the connection between online sales and bricks and mortar. Um, there was some symbiotic relationship between those. Uh, and as online sales was increasing, of course, people were wondering the extent to which bricks and mortar were still relevant. But 
there was a in the things that I was reading and people I was I was talking to, there was a belief that it was still very relevant. It was just different. Um, now that doesn't speak to businesses that are 100% online uh, and have never had uh, bricks and mortar stores. But for the businesses that are traditionally br bricks and mortar, that's where they were. Uh, they have perhaps some sales, but um, they're still going to have problems because um, where do they fill those orders from? Where do people bring returns to? If all their bricks and mortars are closed, but I'm sure that's what they're working on. Yeah, it sounds like a, a real dilemma for any tenant who's in a, a non-essential service uh, kind of place. Um, where are they going to get the revenues even to expand to a place where they can deal with online services? Uh, but, but speaking of, of online services, what happens now when the population as a whole is far more reliant on online as they, when they were before. I mean, we have a whole generation of baby boomers, maybe not all of them who adapted uh, to, you know, ordering from Amazon and, and other uh, online stores. They're now deciding to order and, and many of them for the first time are ordering online. What's the impact of having a, a, a whole generation or an older generation slowly transitioning to online? How, how does that affect the, the retail tenant today? I think that, uh, I think you're right. I think that uh, COVID might finally get the boomers online. And I think that uh, what most service businesses have done, uh, which is to get all their employees working at home in a period of a couple of weeks um, and get them used to purchasing online, and doing their business online uh, has accelerated that trend by several years. So I think that a lot of retailers are gonna see that as a good thing because they see the future in online sales and service. Uh, the businesses that are not online, I think are going to come back to an environment where they are a, a greater competitive disadvantage. Have you had a chance to talk to any of your clients about the various government assistance programs that have just been set up. Is that something that uh, your clients, the tenants or, or the landlords, probably not the landlords, but the tenants are looking to for assistance? Every one of them is concerned about the people that work for them. Um, right. A number of them have agreed to keep a number of people on, keep them on salary. Uh, some have agreed to uh, top up their salaries if they've been laid off. It's all about the people at the end of the day when it's part of the shopping experience is, is the people that you have. So without your people, um, what is the business? So one of the main projects or programs that the government has announced is, is the 75% uh, of the salary uh, program. That's something that I think a lot of people are talking about. And I think that um, the interesting thing in the calculus of the negotiation is that uh, that and a number of other things are coming into the calculation with the landlords. So one of the things is, is if you're not going to be paying rent, why is that? And what things are you taking advantage of which will assist you in being able to pay rent? So if perhaps you're more online than some of the other tenants, perhaps you are have larger lines of credit, perhaps you qualify for a number of these programs so that some of those overheads that you are covering are not um, 
the, the, the impact that you anticipated is not as great. So it's, uh, so they are very interested in the programs. Every one of them is looking at it, but they're looking at it from the point of view of preserving the business and preserving people's jobs. And I think that's the main issue for uh, most Canadians, uh, let alone uh, workers at uh, retail malls. And, and I think that's a, a topic that affects every one of us and everyone we know is, uh, uh, is not only concerned about their health, the health of their family, but uh, their economic future. Uh, and I think that uh, the, the, the landlord-tenant relationship uh, is just a microcosm of what's going on in the world today. Uh, Dennis, I know you're an optimistic person, and I know that you always find the silver lining at all times. Uh, and we've talked about this off-air uh, in terms of what you see as some of the positives that might emerge from uh, the pandemic we're going through. So what can you say to our listeners that might give them some solace about what's going on today? Well, and I'm only qualified to talk about leasing, sure. And I'll I'll admit that. But um, in my experience on the corporate side, the, the the other major trend in the corporate world is corporations stepping up and recognizing that the long-term economic uh, interest of the corporations uh, is tied to a broader stakeholder group. That it's not just about shareholders. So you saw the, you know. Um, you saw the president of BlackRock saying that uh, the Fortune 500 companies need to do more. They need to be more involved in their communities, more interested in the impact of their decisions on their employees. Uh, we have to cooperate more. The government has to step up and and deal with things. You know, I think it's amazing when you look at the circumstances, the extent over a period of literally three weeks where uh, everybody's come together to cooperate and recognize that um, the decisions that need to be taken are not contractual decisions. They're, they're decisions for the broader stakeholder, the broader community. And I think that that's going to be one of the benefits. I think that there, that, that trend, like online sales, that trend is, is, has been accelerated. And I think it's, been, it's going to be recognized to have been accelerated. And it's going to come to the attention of some people for the very first time. And I think that the negotiations in these commercial leasing situations and the uh, opportunity to get these malls reopened uh, is going to be realized by people taking advantage of some of these concepts. And hopefully... What it means is, is, you know, as this hourglass runs down on us, we realize that it takes all of us to turn, sort of take this hourglass and flip it over so that it starts again. And whether it's, the, whether it's the mall, whether it's getting all your people back to work, whether it's just having your business survive, I think that is going to be uh, possibly one of the benefits. Well, take that, Dennis. Uh, there's very little positive that uh, I think has emerged. And I think you've put your finger on something that uh, we can at least hold on to for the time being. Before we leave, I just want to make sure that our listeners can uh, can find you and talk to you and, and get some advice from you. So maybe you'll give us some particulars of your contact information. Oh, yeah. It's Dennis Tobin, T-O-B-I-N. And you can reach me at blaneys.com. My email address is dtobin at blaney.com. Thank you, Dennis. And uh, to all who are listening, stay safe, stay home, stay healthy. Thank you. Thank you.